Hey everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast, where we cover everything from crypto finance to global macro. I'm your host, Leslie Lamb. In this episode, I am joined by Jeff Zerlin, who also goes by the name Jiho. Jiho is co-founder and head of growth for Axie Infinity, a play-to-earn NFT game founded in 2018 that allows users to collect, battle, and breed digital pets called Axies. This game has exploded in the past few months and now has nearly 1 million daily active users. During our conversation, Jeff takes us through Axie Infinity's origins, why he views games as networks, his core beliefs about NFT games and some economic designs that aligns the game with its users, and of course, how the team is looking to grow the Lunasia nation and bring more utility to the Axie universe. This was a super fun conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Jiho, extremely excited to have you on Crypto One Stack today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me. Excited to be here. Yeah, today I want to do a deep dive on all things Axie Infinity, uh, which is a blockchain-based game that lets users collect battle and breed digital pets called Axies. It's been the talk of town, especially if you are in crypto. This is something that has not escaped headlines as of late. And it's just been really exciting, you know, on sort of the game level. I want to just talk about a few stats here and you can fill in any gaps because these might even be old, but the game has over 500,000 daily active users. The daily transaction volume on the platform is around $26 million with a total transaction volume to date uh, reaching up to a billion dollars. I mean, that's significant growth for a game that seemingly the world has just known about for a year or so. But obviously, that hasn't been the case. You guys have been building for a really long time, kind of leading up to this point. So would love for you to just talk about this journey to growth, and we can kind of get into other aspects of the game. Yeah, it's it's been a long, it's been a long journey. We've been building since 2018. And yeah, we've had a really passionate community uh, that's supported us every step of the way. But yeah, it's, it's only been right within the last year or so that uh, we've started to scale. We've started to get into the tens of thousands and then the hundreds of thousands. We're now at 950,000 daily active users. So we're rapidly wow. closing, closing in upon that, you know, 1 million uh, DAU mark. I think that's going to be kind of a watershed moment for the entire space. Uh you know, I, it's it's. I don't think there are any there is any other crypto application, right? That's actually on chain that people are interacting with at that scale. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 really amazing. It's been amazing to see that the world is waking up. I think that um, you know, there's there's there are a variety of tailwinds that are uh, kind of propelling us forward. Um, you know, we believe that uh, NFTs just open up tons of new design space uh, for games and basically nft games are going to be an entire new archetype of game right kind of just like how mobile opened up new design design space yeah we also think that right like property rights are something that everybody deserves and that uh yeah you know you can look at traditional in-game economies as these digital economies where game developers have you know uh 100 tax rates, right? So what we've done is we basically just lowered taxes from 100% to 4.25%. And yeah, like we, you know, I think that creates a lot of really interesting incentives for entrepreneurs to enter the ecosystem and actually grow the 
the economy with us, right? It's not just people who are playing for fun. Axie is a fun game. Mm-hmm. Uh, our community, you know, they, they love it. Uh, it's very strategic, the, the PvP battles, Axie to Axie. It's not, that's not really the unique thing that we're doing here. The unique thing is that we're using blockchain to really open up the economy, make it a community-owned game. So yeah, I, th- I think that's also been a huge factor in our success. I saw the Play to Earn uh, documentary that came out might have been a few months ago. But to your point of Axie not just being a game, but being a means of enabling uh, a new type of labor uh, within the metaverse, right? And seeing how the people within this, I don't know if I call it a village or a community, but Kabanatuan, right? It was incredible to see how this, this one guy who discovered Axie by word of mouth got almost his entire community to just kind of coalesce around this game and say, hey, look, things aren't great during COVID period, but look how much money you could be making a decent monthly income from battling within the Axie universe. And now this has grown to a couple people within the community starting something called Axie University, which is a scholarship program. I mean, we can talk a lot about that just like a little bit later, but yeah, what are your immediate reactions to kind of seeing this documentary being put together around your game? It was really special. Uh, so the documentary was made by our community, really, right? So Yield Guild is kind of a, something that's building on top of Axie and an extension of the opportunities, right? And kind of an example of the entrepreneurs that we attract to our ecosystem that I mentioned um, earlier. So it's, it was amazing to see that. Um, I think it really puts the work that we're doing in perspective. I think that it's up to entrepreneurs and kind of free market systems to help people. Uh, it's that I think like that's the only sustainable way to do it. Um, and yeah, a lot of people they see this right like uh, philanthropic, right? It's like kind of like a, a mix of you know a business and, and philanthropy. And, uh, so it's it's kind of a new. Uh, yeah, a new way of, of helping people. So a lot of people are really attracted to that. And that makes it so that, right, like the community, I think all great communities have some higher goals, right? So they may have incentive alignment, right? That is definitely important, but you can't just only have, it can't just only be about the money, right? So I think for Axie, right, there's this, there are these other reasons to be excited about it other than just the monetary aspect right there's the idea of restructuring society running like new types of economic experiments and then, yeah helping people in uh, developing nations um, these these uh, pillars of our mission drive and attract a lot of interest um, to Axie and bring the right people into our ecosystem so we have we have like leaders of some of the largest open source organizations in the world flocking to the Axie community to study it because they're like how can right like they have there's so many lessons that they can learn from us but also they they also want to pitch in and help and say hey like you know I've been running this open source organization for years that's all based on community contribution volunteers most parts like this is something that you know you guys might need this is something that you guys might need right um, so I think they're learning a lot about the incentive alignment from us, but in terms of right, like I don't know, communications and yeah, uh, non-monetary uh, rewards, mm-hmm. those are actually very important as well. Um, they they have a lot to teach us. So. 
What's one of the biggest takeaways you would say, you know, when you're speaking with these contributors? What's something that you always mention, you know, up front? Hmm. I, I don't know. I think I think it really depends on the person and you know what they're what they're interested in. I think like I I, I like to listen. Um, I think that like I think one of one of the one of the ideas, right, is that you know the users are not customers, right? They're they're partners. Um, they're uh, right co-contributors. Um, they're co-owners of this ecosystem. So I think you know we really we take more time to listen, I guess, maybe than your traditional like leadership team. It's more of a, it's more of a, yeah, like leadership as a service um, type of a system. Whereas, right, it, mm. uh, rather than like, I don't know, top down, like, I don't know, very direct hierarchical uh, system, right? We still have the ability to enact change and to build stuff within our ecosystem, but we are also very cognizant of the effects that our decisions and our communications have within the ecosystem and, and uh, we try and take all we do like stakeholder analysis um like very detailed stakeholder analysis to ensure that right like we're you're yeah we're kind of balancing all the interests within the ecosystem mm -hmm. and for that stakeholder analysis are you really having these one-on-one -on -one or group conversations with the users or is there a more systematic way of kind of assessing your global user base, right? Because Axie Infinity doesn't just cater to players in the U.S. or players in the developing countries. It's a global game, uh, you know, and it has been from the get-go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, we, do, we do a lot of like one-on-one -on -one conversations. We also, I mean, we, that, that's why, this is why Discord, Axie Discord is I think the largest discord of all time in terms of activity and we're about to you know basically cross the threshold uh of right like discord limitations where um <laughs> where you know, i think discord servers cap out at 800k i think there are only a couple like fortnite and genshin impact that have hit that uh ceiling so axie is about to be the third um but yeah we we might we might be able to push past it because yeah you know, so basically, Discord is a vessel, a way for us to speak directly to our community and to our community to speak directly to us. Um, it's yeah, it's it's become in the early days. It really was like you know, uh, this guy made his team and maybe twenty other people, or the people who were to become later the guy made his team and like yep. 10, 10 to twenty other people. I was actually I started out as a community member where I just jumped into the Discord and started doing work and then kind of my involvement grew. So yeah, I think like the Discord, the way that we structure our communication is a kind of a part of our DNA, right? Where we're speaking directly to our users. Mm -hmm. We're not like use, it's communicating through third parties. Um, we can re we really look at like the analytics, the pulse, and yeah, we you know we over time, right? We've been able to scale and right, like we bring on new members of the team who are you know uh, kind of talking directly to the community as well. And even as I've had to take a step back, maybe from you know interacting so directly with the community on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so yeah, but I think that's just part of our DNA. Mm -hmm. Take us back to the origin story for Axie. How did you guys come up with the name? What was the inspiration behind the game? Yeah, sure. So Axie was created by two primary people, uh, Trung and Masamune. Um, they're basically the two original founders of Axie, mm -hmm. slash Sky Mavis. Uh, Trung uh, was a CryptoKitties player, and they, actually that's how he kind of knew of me and another one, one of our co-founders, Alex. We, we met playing CryptoKitties, and I think, yeah, the idea for Axie is, 
uh, right? Like we wanted something that would be something that we could constantly, consistently add more fun and utility to over time, something that would uh, create a really strong emotional bond between user and collectible or NFT. Um, and also, yeah, be something that could retain, uh, retain users and keep them interested over long periods of time. So yeah, a lot, you know, a lot of, uh, Trung, Alex and I, we met in the CryptoKitties community, right? And that was a really interesting project. It was a nice proof of concept, but then there were a lot of people who were like, okay, like what's next? Like, you know, how do we take this to the next level? Uh, so when I, when I found the Axie community, when I found Axie, you know, it, it's, it kind of checked a lot of the boxes of stuff that I thought would be really interesting. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was, um, I think it was a really special moment, but I think the idea, right, is also one of the so one of the, so so some of the first principles, right, is like okay, we can add utility to these NFT assets over time and make them better. It's something that you could work on for years or even decades. Two, uh, it, we wanted to create some sustainable system where people could turn their time and effort into value, right? Like blockchain has been really good at rewarding technical people right because like you can become yep. a developer right like you can become a miner mm -hmm. but there are these human actions non-technical actions that people do for the network right like using the product uh talking about it um being a content creator a youtuber a streamer mm -hmm. right and there historically right have been very few ways um, kind of to align incentives and to reward these types of behaviors. So I think that's also one of our guiding principles is to, uh, you know, be something that non-technical users um, can get a lot of benefit from. Yeah, you refer to games as networks. I remember reading this in one of the Axie posts. And I think it's a really interesting way to think about games, right? Versus the siloed universes that we might have characterized traditional games as kind of getting to your point there you know you guys want to reward players for contributing to these networks whatever they might be doing right so this kind of now converges with this new trend that we're seeing that you guys seem to have pioneered which is called uh, play to earn can you talk a bit about that and how that concept might have even evolved since the very beginnings yeah, so games are networks, right? Like the more people who play a game or are involved in the ecosystem, the better that ecosystem and the game becomes, especially when games are becoming increasingly social. So we believe that the next game is that, that the next social network is actually going to be a game. And um, so we're seeing, right, like, uh, yeah, games becoming networks, right? So in, in networks, right, each user adds value. Um, each user could even theoretically add more value than the last user, right? It's kind of like Metcalf's law, mm -hmm. uh, but applied to a game network. Um, you could call it like Metacalf's law or something like that. Uh, anyway, so this idea of games games as networks, that also means that it, it might make sense, right, to uh, grow like traditional networks have, right? Where Venmo, PayPal, Uber, right? Like you, they just paid their initial users. Um, mm -hmm especially, right, to basically kickstart this network effect, right? You basically create these positive feedback loops. So one way that this is really obvious within the Axie universe is Axie has a PvP battle system. PvP battle systems are only fun if you can get matches very quickly at against somebody at your skill level, right? So a lot of PvP games are, even though they have good mechanics, they're not fun because there's insufficient player liquidity. 
Um, Axie actually also like suffered from this a little bit in the beginning, but as uh, the token rewards, the USD value of the token rewards in the ecosystem increased, more people were queuing, people were getting more matches faster against people at their skill level, and then the level of fun that people were having increased, right? Because like a lot of people, like they talk about what a fun game is, but they don't actually understand what a fun game is, right? Part of that is just, yeah, being able to compete against people and, and feeling like that system is like, uh, fair and matching you against people that you should be matched against, right? So yeah, that, that's one way that play to earn actually makes the game, the network more fun um, as well, right? And then it's also, right, like, one, yeah, the thing that we're, blockchain is missing is users. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we pay for everything in blockchain except for, uh, except for usage. And okay, DeFi kind of figured this out with like DeFi liquidity farming, but you're still just paying people who have a lot of money, right? right. So proof of work is paying people to set up computers to solve math problems, right? And then liquidity mining is just like paying people to be rich, right? Proof of stake also paying people to be rich, uh, right? So play to earn is, you know, paying people to play games, add the li player liquidity, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then it's like, okay, they're not, it, it, that's also a way to reward, right? Uh, content creators as well, right? It's like, you know, these top content creators, they might like be battling and, and they might be able to use their content uh, platforms to start scholarships and, and, and get different opportunities like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's, it's a really, it's been really, we've seen much easier, I think, for us to align incentives with non-technical people. So like oftentimes DeFi protocols and like you know, even like companies or like protocols that I invested in, they'll come to me saying like, oh, like, can you please like advise us on like our community building strategy? Like Axie has an amazing community. Well, the thing is like we have an unfair advantage where the way that Axie is structured as a game as something that's fun and cute, relatable, that rewards has inherent rewards for non-technical people. It's something that like these DeFi products really cannot really uh, replicate at the same level. Well, because the game is inherently social, right? And that you can't just bootstrap out of nowhere because someone who's had experience doing it uh, with another project um, kind of made it work, right? Like the product has to work in that capacity in order for the community to sort of grow around that. Even if you copied right everything about Axie, you wouldn't have right like timing is actually eighty percent of building um, and being an entrepreneur. To be honest, it's kind of like unfair maybe to some people, but also right like it it's it rewards people who can take leaps of faith. Uh, so even if somebody tried to copy Axie right now in the current environment, right, they would just attract people who are looking for the next Axie, right? So they'd just be attracting mercenaries. Uh, I think like one of our core principles, one of my core principles is this idea of attracting missionaries rather than mercenaries, right? This applies to like community members. This applies to how you reward people, right? Like I like to reward people, for example, with extra bonus rewards, uh, you know, who are doing it out of passion and love uh, rather than, right? Like, and being able to allow them to justify their time in the ecosystem to their friends and family they might do it for fun right but like uh anyway so that's that's one principle right and uh if you yeah so basically if you start a game that's similar to axie right now you're just going to attract people that are looking for the next axie which are not the people who turned axie into what it is today yeah that's a very very good point i mean how are how do the traditional games function differently from this play to earn trend 
Like, what is it like within the free-to-play model that doesn't work um, when you want to you know, talk about a game like Axie Infinity? Yeah, I mean, so in traditional games, right, like, there is a lot of demand from players for these open digital economies where people are already, like, engaging in black and gray markets for in-game asset sales, but they're not supported. They're not, uh, yeah, they're not supported. They're often against, like, TOS. Uh, people have to use these third-party sites. And also the game designers, they're not, like, well-trained in economics, um, and they're not thinking about it from an economic standpoint. Um, there are a couple of exceptions, and those exceptions have done really well. I think they would, you know, in those cases, they would just be elevated or brought to a new level uh, using crypto. Um, so yeah, so the, I, I, you can also you can look at it from so many different angles, right? I'm like, I'm an economic, I'm into military and economic history, so I'm like all about like tax rates on innovation, right? So I see like I see you know traditional gaming economies as. Uh, kind of authoritarian systems where the game developer is the you know authoritarian government and they take 100% of all economic activity right so in our system we are a more yeah collaborative uh, governing uh, system and anyone can even like become part of that government by owning the access token and yeah we only take right like 4.25% of all economic activity plus the breeding fee. So yeah, you can all, it depends on the type of person you are, I guess. Like I, I like, you know, I like to look at it in terms of like tax rates. Yeah. You mentioned a book on Twitter that I guess inspired you to look at NFTs in a different way than the average, you know, NFT consumer or kind of crypto enthusiast. Can you mention that book again, the author and kind of some lessons from that? Sure. So the only book that I ever remember reading in college or university is this book called uh, Mystery of Capital by Hernando de Soto. Apparently, he's also interested in crypto. Basically, Hernando de Soto is uh, a genius economist who actually solved like uh, real world issues in Peru, uh, for example. By uh, And basically, the premise of the book is that capitalism only works in certain places and, and doesn't work in other places. Why? Because you can't apply capitalism. Capitalism doesn't work unless you have an underlying system of property rights, of ownership. Mm -hmm. This is actually the core, this is actually what capitalism is, right? So you can't like just have free markets if you don't actually have systems to determine who owns what, who owns what. So, so, when, so when I saw, so I learned, you know, I read this as a uh, college student or whatever, and I always thought that it was really interesting, right? Because I was also thinking like, uh, Right? Like a lot of these people who hate on capitalism, they've never experienced a capitalist system. They don't understand what a capitalist system actually is. Um, you can make also a lot of, you can also make arguments that we've never even experienced a true capitalist system and that uh, crypto is actually the first one that's ever uh, uh, existed. Um, but yeah, so, so anyway, so yeah, I, 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 so this book, you know, if you look, if you look at uh, things in terms of property rights and, and ownership, right, deeds of ownership, right, that and then it automatically, right, it kind of casts uh, the NFT space in an, in an interesting new light, where everything by nature inherently has a deed of ownership. That's kind of actually what an NFT is, right? Uh, so if, if you have this, so in the beginning, all we had was the ownership. We didn't have anything, but that's actually the thing that you need to build this an entire society on top of, right? So yeah, like I, I started to see gamers as disenfranchised people who had never had property rights, who had never had true digital mm -hmm. property rights, didn't even know that they need them, but if they were given them, truly special behaviors would emerge. 
right? Like you saw this in so Fernando de Soto, uh, the Colombia in the '80s, the Colombian drug cartels were uh, taking over Peru. Peru became like a Maoist uh, system where there were no uh, property rights. People, farmers didn't even own their land. There was no deed of ownership. So the Colombians, they came in and started paying people to grow uh, cocaine uh, on on their land. Uh, and the government had, the Peruvian government had no way to st step in. But then Hernando de Soto came and he said, hey, like, we're gonna, we're gonna fix this issue with using economics and property rights. So he, they, so Hernando de Soto, he went to the farmers, he said, okay, you guys are gonna sign this piece of paper, that means that you now own this land. That means that you can sell it, it means that you can use it as collateral for a loan so that you can start a factory, etc. But... When, if you sign this paste piece of paper, like that means that you can't grow cocaine and the government um, will come in and seize the land if you start growing cocaine again for the cartels. So then not only did they, the Peruvian farmers like stop growing cocaine, they actually banded together and uh, drove uh, the cartel out like by force. Uh, so yeah, this is basically an example, I think, right, uh, of this interesting behaviors that emerge when you actually give people ownership rights. That's so fascinating. Yeah, I mean, let's let's dive deeper into the economic design of the game, right? And I'll, I'll give some headline numbers again because I think that frames really nicely how far the game has come up until this point. So if we think about the revenue breakdown for Axie, that's currently, correct me if I'm wrong, between two different types of things. One, marketplace fees, and the other one are Axie breeding fees. It seems like for the marketplace, fees have totaled $39 million or, or, or more now. And on the breeding side, even more, that's about $200 million. So the past 30 days or so has seen upwards of $200 million total in fees. And what's super interesting about where this protocol revenue is going is that it's not just going straight back to developers, right? It's going into the community treasury, which the players are a part of, right? They can't necessarily stake the Axie tokens in there uh, yet. But ultimately, I think the goal is to be able to distribute um, these earnings to the players, right? And have them feel that sense of ownership that you're just talking about. Update us on the numbers if those are old or wrong. And yeah, talk a bit about the community treasury and how that's empowering players. Yeah, I think I think generally you're correct. So uh, Axie actually over the last 30 days generated more fees than Ethereum, uh, generated more fees than all DeFi uh, combined. It generated, I think, 10 times more than Bitcoin, um, which has right, like this issue of not having enough fees uh, in the long run. So yeah, it's, it's been amazing. And yeah, it wouldn't be something that we'd be proud of if it was just going to Sky Mavis. Right, like nobody would really care to be honest. At least within our community, maybe the gaming world would care, uh, but the, our community would not be happy about it or would be ambivalent towards it. But the reason that the people that there's so much excitement is that these are fees that go into a community treasury that anyone anywhere in the world uh, can uh, basically get access to through the governance token. Um, so there is no fee switch. There is no staking. Um, you know, we need, that's something that needs to be built out over mm -hmm. time. Um, but we're, we're, we're building, we're building it. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a new model. It's a, uh, it's, yeah, Axie is going to be the first game that's ever owned by its players. 
So we're going like a much a step further rather than just opening up the in-game economy and legitimi legitimizing the transfer of game assets uh, between players, right? That's one level, but then there's also the other level of, yeah, like the inventors of the game, just because we're the inventors of it doesn't mean that we own it, right? Like we believe, yeah, we structured it so we only own around 17% of it. Um, is that the perfect number? It's hard to say, um, but I think that the intent and doing it before anyone else actually matters more um, than than uh, small little percentages here and there. So setting an example for other games that will be adopting this model. I think it's like, uh, I don't know, it's America says that it's like this shining city on a hill. I think that's one, I, one way to look at it is Axie is going to be the first of many digital economies that kind of pursue this structure. Mm -hmm. uh, you could also like you could also be more of a maximalist and say that Axie will be the largest, be the first and largest because of the network effects um, that happen in crypto, right? Like the first store of value cryptocurrency is still the biggest. The first smart contract platform is still the biggest. Will the first play to earn NFT ecosystem always be the biggest or have that level of uh, network effect uh, like Bitcoin and Ethereum? These are things that our community debates with the mm -hmm. outside. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, one question I've gotten from a listener is this question about sustainability around rewards. How does Axie Infinity embed sustainable incentives within the broader game design? Sure. So right now, Axie is an emerging market economy that's uh, growth dependent. So, uh, right, like most capital is coming from, you know, people who are either new to the ecosystem and want axes or people who are expanding out their, for example, their operations, right, where they're lending out axes to people. Um, so that's, that is like a lot of the, right, like demand for axes. Um, so I think, right, like long term, right, so it's like, okay, what we've allowed our players, we've given our players distribution rights of axes, which you can think of as tickets to the ecosystem, right? So it's like, Yes, and, and so basically play to earn and sustainability is a derivation of the demand for these tickets, right? So it's like, okay, long term, what are the ways to increase and make sure that demand for the tickets are stable, um, right? Or that, that there's always some like base level of demand, right? So obviously growing the top of the funnel, growing, right? Like I think the total addressable market for Axie is 3 billion people, right? Like gamers, pet owners, and underemployed. Um, so making sure that we can keep growing the top of the funnel then also yeah increasing demand from within the ecosystem as well uh for for example like you know people might in the future you'll be able to upgrade your axes in order to upgrade your axes you'll need to use crafting materials from act from other axes right so then these kind of less powerful axes right like they might be sent away <laughs> like sent to the farm right because it's got gone bit banished um in exchange for crafting materials right so that also creates like a demand sync from within mm -hmm. the ecosystem. Uh, another, a little bit more complex, there are many ways actually, there are many like amazing ways to, get, to go about like basically this, this, this sustainability issue. And it's actually one of the most fascinating things that I think I think about and work on. Um, so another way is that you basically, right, like you harness the network effect and you basically use that to attract exogenous capital into the ecosystem in the form of distribution deals, right? It's kind of like people are, uh, right, like, giving money to the Axie community as like kind of tribute um, for, mm. for brand purposes. 
Uh, we have we already have like many DeFi protocols who have done this, right? Like Aave, the MakerDAO, Kyber Network. They were kind of pioneers and saw that how strong the Axie community was. So they just gave us money or gave us their tokens to give to our users, right? So that's exogenous capital that's coming in. That's not necessarily looking for a financial return. It's looking for brand appeal, right? So it's like, uh, you know, I think 80, 60 billion dollars is spent every day, every year on like advertising within games. Um, so imagine, right, a future where, right, like yeah, DeFi protocols are huge. Crypto is huge. People are looking for distribution channels uh, and brand um, engagement uh, with the number one uh, crypto community in the world. And it's 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 you know it's it's not unimaginable that they would be pouring money into the ecosystem. But like our way is not to take that money for ourselves. Uh, it would be greedy. It also just would not work. So obviously that th that money would be going to the players right so a lot of people are like okay like is that advertising i mean it's just us using axie it's just the community using itself as a distribution channel right because of its power it's just right, like it's us transitioning from a growth dependent emerging market economy to a network effect harnessing uh, mature economy that's uh, generally i think like how you can look at things so yeah like uh i, I think that's also another way long term i'm um, also i think it's it's really key that people just spend money within the ecosystem for fun uh, or status, right? So people love axes, they see them as pets. If you ask any, so there are around 2 million, maybe 2.5 million axes in the ecosystem. There's actually only four axes per each uh, unique account uh, within the ecosystem. So all, most axes are actually somebody's first axie, if you mm. think of it that way, mm. or first axes and if you ask anybody like can you could you easily sell your first team of axes uh they're gonna they're gonna there's an emotional attachment them. so yeah it's like yeah. because right i think like people talk about this too right it's like the easier it is to get your money out of a system the more you're willing to just like let it sit there too and uh yeah so it's like because people know that they can sell their axes at any time it means more to them and they're more willing to just like hold their axes if that, mm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's kind of like a, a three-pronged approach or answer. Um, and, you know, and some people, some people would want me to quantify, uh, quantify like you know where do I th where do I think that the demand will come primarily from people from spending for fun and status, people uh, right like uh, exogenous revenue coming or exogenous capital coming in to increase their brand, um, or right like just uh, people spending um, to get axes for upgrades. Some people might ask me to quantify. It's, it's something that <laughs> could be very difficult to quantify, and we'll have to see like as we go along and iterate and, and try different experiments. Yeah, which is the newest approach of the three? Newest in terms of when we thought of them, or yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I imagine the branding one might be the the newer approach or or, or tactic from an engagement level, right? So I so I think in the beginning we knew that okay, like Axie Sync. Some type of app type of Axie Sync goes really well with the upgrade system. So this was like pitched to the community in the initial right like outline of the vision of the game. Uh, we also know that right spending for fun and status and um, just loving a pet right that's also one of our key advantages. So this is these were from the beginning. More, more new, but maybe not as new as you th would think, is this idea of right like you know us being a distribution channel uh, for different products a place to build brand awareness. Mm. 
you know, I think that idea has been around since 2019, maybe, uh, where, you know, we did, we did, we, we did a promotion where we gave out MakerDAO themed NFTs, die themed NFTs to people who opened CDPs. Ah. Um, this was 2019. So it's like, you know, I think we were always kind of ahead of the curve. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. That's super interesting. And, and how was the community response to that? They're really rare. They're really rare right now because not that many people did it. Like, you know, maybe there are a couple hundred out there in the world, um, you know, because back then, I mean, yeah, we, we didn't have that many people that are interested in DeFi or NFTs. Like DeFi was much bigger than NFTs back then. And DeFi was really, really small, right? Mm -hmm. I think like, yeah, ETH was like 100 bucks or 150 bucks back then. So. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Let's talk about access to the game. There are lots of people who have been playing from perhaps the early days who have seen the floor price of Axie grow, right? To a point where uh, perhaps they feel like, okay, if they have a few Axies, they're worth a lot more now, uh, but perhaps they're not actively playing the game, you know, 24 seven, let's call it, but rather they like to do something with those axes and something that's been born out of this idea of enabling admission to these games as they've become more expensive um, are these kind of like scholarship programs, right? And you mentioned the name Yield Guild early on. Can you talk a bit about how you're interacting with a scholarship program like that. I imagine there are many others as well. And, and kind of how you've seen the growth of this model affecting the gameplay within Axie. Yeah, so basically Axies are really expensive right now. Why? Because Axies are priced uh, as kind of uh, with many things in mind. But one of the ideas, right, is that you can earn tokens using these Axies. So it's like uh, Axies kind of right, like get priced as their future expected token earnings potential um, based on this, right? So it's like people look at them as, right, like equipment that you might, you know, need before you, you know, uh, join the gig economy, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you know, people renting a car to drive Uber, for example, right? That's the kind of decision making that axes get priced on rather, rather than, oh, like, you know, uh, do I want to play this game? This game looks cute and fun. Uh, so it's kind of like, it's, it's a unique uh, type of decision making. Not everybody thinks like that, but the people who do think like that push it, push up the price for everybody else, right? Yeah. So basically, because axes are very expensive, there are now these organizations that will go in, acquire a bunch of axes, and then uh, give the QR codes associated with those accounts to players, to you know people called scholars, who can then play the accounts, earn tokens on them, and then split a portion of the tokens um, with the scholarship owners. Um, so this is a scholarship program. It's been a huge source of growth. It's also a franchise model, right? Where mm. anyone who's entrepreneurial can come into the Axie ecosystem and kind of uh, become like this, their own like digital pet store owner uh, or trainer. And it's a little bit more complex than that, right? It's because like they're, they're really more like a kind of half coach, right? Half uh, lender of the mm -hmm. pets. So yeah. Uh, the, the, that's a scholarship model like YGG uh, is is one that's you know particularly famous I guess uh, you know they, they have around four thousand scholars right now um, yeah so so yeah they're they're quite big they're VC funded uh, which is like interesting they're kind of like the first like maybe in game guild that ever like attracted like capital I think they have a market cap of over a billion dollars 
um, maybe two billion over two billion dollars fully diluted. So uh, yeah, it's it's kind of mind blowing, right? You can think of them as like this metaverse employment agency, bringing in and introducing people to a new type of work. Yeah, you talk about this concept of the metaverse immigrant worker, which when I heard it, I was like, wow, okay. This really connects with a lot of the stories that I've been reading of foreign workers, right? I'm based in Hong Kong. There are lots of migrant workers here, many from the Philippines, many from Indonesia. And it seems to be the case that a lot of your players are people from the Philippines and Indonesia who have, you know, found an alternative source of income. It's not necessarily to say that it's going to replace their work here immediately, but I guess the idea over time is, yeah, to be able to return back to families, uh, have greater economic freedom, doing something that's fun and that they love and giving them more opportunities, right? Yeah, I think... I think... I think I think the key word or key phrase is economic freedom, right? Like, uh, Axie is a way to create economic freedom for people through something that's fun, cute, relatable, nostalgic, and right. Blockchain is that's blockchain is just a tool that we use to accomplish that. I think it's really powerful. It has like a lot of mimetic desire attached to it, um, right? Like Axie is just noteworthy because it's novel and interesting and more people talk about it, so then it spreads. Um, it's inherently viral, um, and that's a feature, that's not a bug. Uh, this is a feature, not a bug, um, of the system, where also it is like growth dependent, like it needs to keep growing, just like crypto protocols. That's actually a feature of the system as well, um, that crypto is dependent on growth. Uh, that's, that's why these communities form, these really passionate communities form to grow the protocols, right? Like. On Sky Mavis, in Sky Mavis, our growth and biz team is four people, right? So, so the community is doing like a majority of the work, right? Like all we can do is kind of, you know, be figureheads almost. We're three really community members that want, you know, direction and guidelines and coaching. You know, we can offer that and updates and things like that. So, how do you guys split your work? I guess amongst the growth team. Yeah, so we just hired someone uh, to do like support for the ecosystem so he's awesome uh, his name is programmatic pull uh and uh he's amazing so he's from within the community uh and yeah so he's like you know basically in charge of bringing tranquility to the ecosystem um bringing tranquility to my <laughs> that's life that's a great mission <laughs> uh, so yeah uh then we have zayori right andrew um who's mm-hmm. like yeah he's he was like kind of like a dota commentator so He's in charge of, or he's like our esports and creator lead. So he's making sure that we're growing the esports scene, uh, gr- you know, growing the competitive nature of the game. Uh, you know, to kind of talking to some of our content creators, coaching them, being their therapist, uh, talking to them about what they want. Um, so yeah, that's that's what he does uh, primarily. Um, yeah, and then we have Alex. Uh, he's more on like the business and um, business side of things and partnerships. He does very various janitorial services that kind of <laughs> keep the lights on, as he likes to say. I wouldn't say that if he didn't use those words uh, himself. Yeah, me like yeah. I, I'm more into. I like to write. I like to think about the in-game economy a lot. Yeah, I also like to. I'm relatively outward-facing as well. Mm-hmm. So. You're the game game designer or economic designer of the game. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm. You know, I would. I wouldn't take. I. I. I want to like downplay my role and just especially game design. But in terms of like the economic design, um, I, that's something that Trung and I have. Uh, you know, we 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 do a lot of thinking about. Great. Well, let's spend the next few minutes uh, as we wrap up here to talk about the future of Axie Infinity. There's been lots of chatter about. You know, the the game has grown so much. What additional utility will the developer team kind of bring to the Axie universe, right? So that's number one. And then number two is I, I would love uh, for you to talk about how you'll be opening up the Axie game uh, so that there is even greater adoption for this blockchain-based game and so more people can know about it, um, but more importantly, can access it. So it'd be great if you can talk to those two points. Yeah, definitely. So I think like one of our ideas, right, is to constantly be adding new utility and new experiences to the Axie universe over time. Yeah, I talked earlier about how each Axie is a ticket uh, to the Axie universe, right? So, uh, you know, one way to ensure that there's constant demand for these tickets is to constantly be adding stuff that uh, is fun and, and, and drives demand for these tickets. So. Uh, we, you know, we have an upgrade to the battle system coming. Um, it's called Axie Infinity Origin. Um, so you can think of it as maybe like somewhere between an upgrade and an entirely new game. Uh, it's a little bit more fast paced. The animations are going to be great. We've released some concept art, or not some concept, but some like stills from it so far. Uh, so yeah, and we also have land. Um, so land is a, a massive, giant, gi uh, gigantic undertaking which is basically right this idea of a system where you can build up a town or a city or a village, uh, form alliances, collect resources, uh, fight for control of territory uh, with your axes, right? Kind of create your own little digital kingdom. Uh, and people are really excited about that. So these are kind of right, like in the intermediate term, things that we're, we can do uh, to constantly add uh, utility and fun experiences the ecosystem mm -hmm. long term as we hit hundreds of millions maybe billions of users it's going to be impossible for one development team to satisfy the needs of a nation so basically we'll be creating an SDK where anyone right uh, you know to attract super strong uh, third-party developers community developers to build experiences on top of Axie um, this is not such a foreign model right like you have roblox which kind of does it as well you also saw it with like warcraft 3 map editor right but it's just like that's where dota came out of but that was also right like uh there was no kind of inline incentives uh, for that as well so mm -hmm. uh, so yeah so so long so short term we're gonna keep building fun stuff as sky mavis long term you know we're gonna have to right right now i think like yeah uh axie in terms of right like the partition of work right mm -hmm. like the community is actually doing a lot of the growth related stuff and the marketing getting the word out onboarding people uh that's really great um that's part of decentralization long term we also want to involve right like outside parties and i think that's kind of that's going to be like maybe the final sliding puzzle piece that <laughs> right i think like one of the things about axie is that yeah, people say like it took us a really long time uh, to to kind of blow up, I guess. But we actually blew up very shortly after we had, I think the the pieces that we needed, right? Like we needed our own scalable sidechain, our own wallet, um, uh, you know, our own NFT marketplace, our own fun game. And when we all when we combined all those together, 
it, that's kind of what created this growth. So people are, people often ask like, why didn't you give up? Well, we always knew like we had this vision that it's like okay, we need this, we need this, we need mm -hmm. this. What and and each thing would add right like progressively new users, energized ecosystem. It was yeah finally the migration to Ronin that really put this into hybrid growth. And Ronin is the the side chain of Ethereum, right? Exactly. Well, I guess one last question here would be, do you feel like you guys found product market fit early on or was it the combination of all of these different variables that then, you know, is now working like a really smooth engine that's making you feel like now we've really got that product market fit? When did you feel it? It's hmm. a, a good question, right? Like definitions of product market fit probably differ. <laughs> uh, I think like, yeah, in the traditional sense, probably it was more recently. I think like we knew that we had community market fit, maybe like, uh, ah, that's a good term. In, in, uh, in 2018, 2019, and then more like product market fit, game market fit in 2020, 2021. We knew, we knew the community was really special from the early days. And that's kind of like, I think what sustained us to be able to fulfill the vision, if that makes sense, right? So you need to always have something that's working to get you to the next stage, right? So it's like product market fit is often maybe like, yeah, the result of like having other types of momentum uh, that, that got you to that point. Absolutely. So on this note, Jiho, thank you so much for hopping on Crypto Unstacked. This is something that I know our listeners have been waiting to hear about. You know, you guys have been building underground for many years now. So appreciate you sort of unveiling that origin story uh, and talking to us about the gameplay from the developer's perspective, you know, from the game designer's perspective, and I'm sure they'll really enjoy it. So thanks so much for hopping on. Thanks, Leslie. It was really fun. The Crypto Unstacked podcast is meant for informational purposes only and should not be considered as financial or investment advice. Nothing expressed in this podcast should be construed as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Amber Group to buy or sell any financial products. Information expressed by the host or guest in this podcast does not necessarily reflect the views of Amber Group.